coffee and a little bit of conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Conversations and Coffee Podcast. Today, I'm joined in the studio here with Jer Redmond. Jer, thanks so much for coming on. Thanks for having me, Ross. Thank you. Um, Jer, so for people that don't know you, you're a professional triathlete. Is is known all across the country. Um, would be prisoner to pro. Yeah. So I'm very interested to hear how this name came about and how you have went from before prison to prison to now becoming a professional triathlete. Uh, for people that don't even know what a triathlete is, I'd love you to even just start off by letting people know what that is because some some know what it is, but then others might be a little bit confused. So if you want to start with what your profession is at the moment and then we can go back to how it all began. Yeah, so yeah, so for those of you who don't know what a uh, triathlete is, it's a swim bike run. Um, I specialise in the higher end, which is in Jordan's end, which is uh, full Ironman, which is a... 3.8 swim in the sea, uh, 180k bike ride, and a full marathon at the end, 42k. So that's what I specialise in. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where I got my professional licence in Barcelona. I done a 9.25, and that enabled me to become an Irish professional athlete. Mm-hmm. So, if you want me to go back to the start then? So, uh, yeah, so it, I grew up in Darndale in Coolock, North County Dublin, uh, in a council estate. Growing up, I know now, was a bad upbringing. At the time, obviously, you don't know because you're a kid. Um, my mother and father came from a bad generation and never changed themselves. They were drinkers, drug takers, uh, never had any ambition. And the house was like, the house wasn't a good house to be in, you know. You know, you noticed the, you, there was always trouble, always fights. I used to listen at the door because there'd be always arguments, the father would be beating up my mother. And um, at this time, like, I used to play soccer, so my dream was to be a, a professional soccer player. And I used to find positivity out of that because of all the crap I'd been through in my life. And every time I played football, I forgot about that. That was your escape? That was my escape, yeah. And um, at the age of 14, 15, I became really good. I was playing for the Dublin team, DDSL team. I was getting trials for uh, the Lancer team, so I was then playing for the Lancer team. And I joined a team called St. Columbus in Coolock. And I was here that team from Dunfermline came to watch me. So a scout came over to watch, heard about me. And the day he came to watch me, I scored 10 goals in one game. <laughs> 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 no, no. It's safe to say you were pretty good. <laughs> I think I was playing John Bosco. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was pretty good at Trimble the time. versus Coolock. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I stood out, you know. So... They came down to the family home and invited me over for a trial. And I went over to them firm in Scotland. And uh, I remember going over. And before I went over, like, it, you know, coming from the family home I came from, and coming from the area I came from, me even getting a trial was such a big thing in the area, you know? And it was something I've got a lot of confidence from and I was very proud of. I went around, I remember, I, like, put my head up high and going, Jesus, mm-hmm. I Absolutely. have an opportunity here, you know? This is a dream come true. Mm-hmm. This is what I've always wanted. And even before I went over, I was actually playing FIFA with Dunfermline Athletic, you know, on the computer, mm-hmm. like... Making so yourself into your own character yeah, and everything, I was, probably. I was getting to know the players before I even met yeah, them. Yeah. It was like, jeez, no, they weren't great on FIFA, in fairness. But, <laughs> but it was like a dream come true as a kid because I used to play FIFA and then I was playing FIFA with this team I was about to go for a trial with. Anyway, I come o- go over on the flight on the Saturday 
and I remember getting off the flight and the under 16s and were playing Falkirk and they brought me down and put me on the bench and they were losing 2-1 and they put me on with 20 minutes to go and I scored two goals and ate up the winner unbelievable and that was it the rest is history like I was signed up next day they asked me to come over on a full YTS which is a youth training scholarship signed me up and that was it I got a two year deal and before I knew it I was cleaning boots for the pros living my dream and um, I was settling in in as a pro like you know fairly good really enjoying myself I was living in an annex in a place called Limoners like, so an annex is just like an, an attic over a pub and the people who owned the pub were feeding me to a part of the club so I was settling in settling in fairly well stayed for about four or five months and um, four or five months into it I got a phone call from home saying my father had committed a crime back in Kewlock and it was a fairly bad crime and I had five other brothers and sisters and a mother that was a drinker so I asked the coach could I go home and uh, just to see what things are like you know I was worried obviously about my siblings so I get home and the house is like chaotic as I always was my mother had people in the house she shouldn't have had they were having parties kids weren't going to school so that's it my dream was shattered I had no choice but to become the man of the house and I went from worrying about putting the ball in the back of the net putting food on the table and becoming the man of the house at the age of 16 which led me down the wrong road in life. I joined a criminal gang, one, for protection, and two, to put food on the table. And I spoiled out of control then. I had a lot of resentment. I, a lot of people let us down, left us on our own. My father let me down, he was locked up, and the rub salt in the wound. My mother moved out a month later. And left so you were really left in charge? Left in charge myself and my older sister. I had to look after four kids under the age of 10. Like, if you think about it, I don't know whether your viewers know this, but there's one thing dreaming the dream. There's another thing having the dream. In the palm of your hand. And living it. You know, it's it's a total different thing. Like, And when it's taken from you, I went from one one extreme to another. Like, I was in living my dream. I had the world at my feet. And I was very competitive. And I knew I was going places. And then it was all taken from me. And I was put down the wrong road, so I had a lot of resentment over that. And I spoiled out of control. And a lot of negativity, and I lashed out on people because I felt everyone let me down. And I didn't like adults. And my self-belief was gone, my confidence gone. I took drugs to try and get my confidence back. And I also found when I took drugs, it was like a counselling session. Because I wouldn't go to counselling, but when I took drugs, I talked about my issues. So that's an amazing way of describing it. Mm, that's what that's, that's what an happens. amazing way of describing it. You f the only time you felt comfortable <coughs> talking about what was going on in the household or how Jer actually felt was when you were under the influence because you could escape and, and get into your true yeah. thoughts. And I was letting, letting go. It was the only time when I could let go and I felt good about it. And I don't promote that because I now know that when you go to counselling or go to psychologist, that that works better. I think what you're trying to say is, though, in that moment it worked, but then when you came down off the drugs you're back to reality yeah. nothing changes where the difference with counselling would be when you go and you walk away you take something away and you learn and get better and grow when you were taking the drugs as soon as that was over that high had finished back it to square one exactly it's like putting the plaster on the bullet wheel that's a very good way of putting it yeah you know it's not mm -hmm. going to fix nothing mm -hmm. but at that time you know what I thought 
I thought if I admitted I needed counselling, that I was admitting there was something wrong with me and mm-hmm. the, that I might have been taken away from my family. Because mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about counselling or I thought that was for people who had bad issues, you know. And I, I wouldn't run the risk of going to someone and say, I need counsel, because I thought that was me admitting there was actually something wrong with me mentally. Mm-hmm. But it's not, like, it's totally not, you know. And it's not it's not said enough. People don't actually talk about it enough that counselling is an absolute great thing to do. really does help. Look, I'm like a jigsaw with a load of missing pieces. And I'm still going to counselling. I was just counselling today, like. And I need to rebuild them pieces. And the only way to do it is to try and be a better you. And try and go and mend the old ways. Like I went to the counselor today and I said, I, I feel like I'm a good father. But I was gauging myself off my own father. And he said, you actually aren't, with all due respect. Because you can't gauge yourself off that. You know? Can't put yourself in that category. No, you can't put yourself near that category. You, you, he said, you need to be over here as a daddy. And he gave me a few things to do to sit down with my kids. Like I, don't, I wasn't sitting down with kids, you know? like 30 minutes a night, sit down and just sit there with your kids. How amazing is that? That's being a daddy. I was just being a father. But this is all learning. You were just present. Yeah, just present and and earning money and Mm -hmm. paying bills. Mm -hmm. That's That's all you knew. That's all you know, exactly. And you're a product of your own environment. A hundred percent. I was actually going to say that when you were talking earlier on about entering into a a crime gang and, you know, one, for protection, but two, for an income to, to just put food on the table... A lot of the people now that choose the route or the, the path of crime, when you look at the area they're from and you say, oh, well, why don't they just go out and get a job or why don't they just go out and, and do such a course or such a degree? Mm. It's actually not that easy to just do that. No. And sometimes like the revenue that's being generated through the drugs or through all these different various crimes is their only means of income. And if they get so far into it, then there's no they feel there's no way to turn back around. And I appreciate what you're saying with product of your own environment people actually forget that because sometimes they mightn't be from that environment 100 like i always say people are easy to point the finger at people but they don't know the real cause of what brought that person down that bad road and i know what it's like to be brought down the wrong road and the people out there who are committing crimes now i don't agree with it 100 don't agree with it. and i understand people saying that they're scumbags for doing it but there's a real cause to everyone's problems mm-hmm. And if you're brought up by a bad generation and you're not loved as a kid, all you know is resentment. You don't know what love is. So you're never going to show love. You're going to show a negative and you're going to lash out on people. And that's going to just spoil out control. Plus there's nothing in the, this, this country for kids. There's no one looking at them. There's no youth centres. There's no one... Look, as I was t- telling you earlier, to hold a juvenile in Auburstown Juvenile Centre... Cost, it costs the taxpayer €340,000 a year per person, per annum. That's after the fact. Where's the money before the fact? If you put, if you had three people from the most affected area in Dublin, say, say Kewlock, if you had three people coming from Kewlock, going into Town, it cost the ta- taxpayer, say, a million, right, for one year. If you put that million into that affected area and saved three or four people going down the wrong road. You're saving money already, plus you're starting up a new generation. Mm-hmm. You're bringing them into a youth centre to show them inspiration, mm-hmm. to set them goals, give them love, tell them this is the way life should be. Because there's parents out there that aren't setting an example. And as parents, it's their responsibility to set examples for our kids. But there's not enough people doing it. Mm-hmm. And it's not fair on the kids. So as a community people, we should start set examples and try and help them down the right road. 
instead of just pointing the finger and saying you seem very passionate about that and obviously it's because of where you've come from and your own personal experience but most importantly because of how you've turned your life around to become who you are which we'll get to but why you seem so passionate i can hear it in your voice even when you're saying it it's just due to the fact that you want them other kids or those other families to experience dreams goals yeah and not resentment and not envious thoughts or hatred towards other people just because of their situation and and that's why i want to get to the next point um for the conversation when all this was going on in the household then and you joined this crime gang and you were um basically back home and fending not just for yourself but for everybody in your own home how did you end up then becoming uh, how did you end up with the title prisoner to pro where did that begin so 2013 <coughs> i received a prison sentence it was actually a suspended sentence three years for drugs found in the house and uh i actually got i actually got the sentence reactivated for another offense so like to me i was just like yeah whatever i'm just gonna go back in back into crime um went to prison in 2014 spent two years in prison just about two years and in there i realized my family was there for me no one else was really there for me and you need to respect your family and also the first night i went to prison see my generation my granddad was locked up my father was locked up and here i was following all their footsteps after giving out about my father being locked up and i was setting the same example for my kids i was like what am i doing like but i remember sitting in prison in 2016 and saying to myself where's my life gone I'm like what what do we have to do like and that's this is me now forever i have a criminal conviction i'm in prison and that i thought that was it so i get out in 2016 and my son ross is due in october and i went to i i decided i suppose that i didn't want my son to look at me the way i look at my dad because i don't look at my dad with i don't i don't respect them you didn't see love there no and i that, that it's all you were craving yeah but i didn't want my son it would have killed me for my son to look at me in the same light mm. as i do with mm. my father which is a great motivator for you yeah and i just said to myself you know what i need to change my generation i need to start changing my generation i'm gonna do 180 degrees in my whole life i'm gonna get out of the criminal gang and i didn't know what he was gonna do but i went to watch a friend of mine doing an iron man in barcelona 2018 and I just went to be around like-minded people, people who had goals. I remember saying to myself, Jay's, maybe I could do that. This was just a talk. Just a talk, and I couldn't even swim. That's crazy. I'd never even done a length of a pill. <laughs> but I wanted to change my generation, and I wanted to show my wife and my kids that dad has changed, and I'm on a good path, you know? So in 2017, I decided to do an Ironman in Maastricht, and it was on in August the 6th. And uh, as I said, I couldn't swim, and I went down to the pool, and I couldn't do one length. But I, con- con- consistency, I just kept going down every day. I'd do an extra length. I kept training. I went on the bike, just started off 20K every week. I built on it. And it was more just to, you know, I just had, I wanted to change the generation so much. That fire inside me. Mm-hmm. I you want, were hungry. You I was hunger hungry for in it. You, yeah. I want my son to, to say, my dad, I wanted to be my, my son's hero, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, in, two, in August the 6th, I remember, I went and uh, I stood on a, on a canal in, in Holland. 
for my first Ironman. And I remember saying to myself, I've been life back. I just felt the aura of everyone else around me. I just felt I was in a great spot, great place. I had self-belief. But I remember when I came across the finish line, something happened to me. Something, days after that, it was like something came into me and said, you have your life back. Like, this is the start of it. It's only beginning. It's only beginning. And people said you'd suffer in an Ironman, but I didn't suffer. I got stronger. And I realised I had, had a... I had this thing that I was able to suffer and I realised it came from when I suffered as a kid, all that suffering I went through. This wasn't suffering. This didn't phase you. I'll show you. Come back to when I lost my dream as a soccer player, when I had to protect my family. I'll show you suffering. So this wasn't suffering to me. So I decided to sign up for Lanzarote, which is the toughest Ironman in the world. Mm. Check the mind, mm. you know. I said, right, let's see. Have I got something here? And I'd done that in a really good time, 10, 50 or something. That's great. And someone said, like, you're good at this sport. So that little boy came back into my head and said, you were a pro when you were a kid. Why have you become a pro again? And I thought about it. And then I said, do you know what? Imagine I could become a pro. What I'd do to other people. What I'd do to people who are on the wrong road in life. What I'd do to people who are brought up bad generations. Imagine the self-belief it give them. So it became an inner goal to do it for others. And it wasn't even for you, yeah. No. It was like, it had to be bigger than me. This? Yeah. It had to be bigger than me, otherwise I wouldn't be able to do it. I needed something extra, and mm. that's where I come up with. Mm. So I trained, and I told people I'm going to become a pro, and they laughed at me. Because I was only doing this like six, seven months. And they laughed, and I told them, and they were, yeah, sure you will. They wouldn't even get into conversation with me. But they didn't know me, and I trained me nuts off. I was getting up at three in the morning to test the mind. I was doing 100K. I was just training, training, training. I was... The inner goal was just, you know, lit. Mm-hmm. And I remember lining up in Barcelona, um, 2018, and I lined up in Barcelona, and I stood there before I went into the, the swim, and I remember saying to myself, I'm going to do this today. But uh, like that, I would, I'd hold myself back because I do still have that little negative thought that something could be taken from you so quick. Mm. And then especially in the Man, if you get a puncher, you could be out of race, or if something happens mechanical... You were preparing for the worst. Yeah, you know, I, I was confident, but I wasn't Mentally, confident, yeah. you know. So anyway, I get, get out of the swim. I'm in a good position. I know I'm on for it. I do the bike again. I got off the bike. Right. I just need a, a, a 306 marathon, I think it was. And I remember the last 5K, I welled up because I knew what I was going to be able to do for others. And I welled up because, you know, this was going on for a year. I was training for this. And all me and our goals was, if I do this, this is going to help so many people and I'm going to be able to go back to prisons and talk and I'm going to be able to do so much with this Just message five more K five more K I had to I had to tell myself a 20K left because I was welling up hmm. to fill the mind mm-hmm. so I could get the body back but I remember when I got to the in the Ironman there's a red carpet it's about 100 metres long before the finish line and my family was standing there and I ran down they handed me the Irish flag what was that feeling like? like like I came from nothing like I came from being in prison in 2016, gave up on life. To, to run down a runway into an Ironman and my family handed me the... Your the boy, your, your kids, you your know, wife. It's just surreal. Like It was like, a, I don't know. I don't know if people believe in things happening for a reason, but it was like that happened for a reason. I, I believe in it. And I got the flag and I ran down mm. and I turned and pointed to the clock and I said, there you go. And mm. it was 9.25. The time to beat was 9.30. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't to others that doubted me, 
but it was in a sense, you know. I said, doubt me now. Doubt me now. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a classic. And I still have the picture, you know. Absolutely brilliant. And I became pro, like, and yeah, and that's it. And since that, like, m- doors have opened up for mm-hmm. me, like, of sponsorships, and I'm in prisons, I'm in schools, I'm in youth centres. I've got gar clubs contact me. I was asked to go over to Wales to do a, a talk in the summer mm-hmm. for a big trail run event. But let's go back to the first night in the cell. Yeah. And and saying in your head when when that <coughs> door closes and you're spending the first official night in prison. Yeah. Right, this is it. My life is over. To then two years later coming out and I want to say this because you clearly said, you know, you believe that some things happen for a reason, and so do I. And a lot of people out there do, and others mightn't, and yeah. that's just their yeah, opinions. But what if you didn't go to that show to watch your friend? Yeah, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? So you were meant to be there that day to be inspired mm-hmm. by your friend, but to also light that fire back up in you and go, hang on a second. Mm. Not so long ago, I was a pro. Yeah. What's stopping me from going back? So if you didn't go to that show and you went back and you probably went straight back down the road you were in before you went into prison, we wouldn't be sitting here now having this conversation. No. So I'd love to say going around at such a young age, walking around your area with your head high, to coming home with the circumstances that you had to come home for, to your head down, yeah, down for so long, and now it clearly seems yeah. to be right back oh up. Yeah. You know? And that's yeah. a massive achievement. Yeah. You've yeah. really done it, like, you know? I have. And you know, but you know what, as well, and I'll have to be honest about it, I'm still not there yet. Because That's I'll good. Do, That's I'll, your mentality. Although I'm confident and people will look and go, he's confident, I, I still have inner things to, to work on. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to counseling still, because I still want to be a better person. Mm-hmm. So I'm still working on myself. You know, I'm not a bad person, but. You know, you can be better. I can be better. And, and sometimes I need reassurance from people. To say that I'm good because, as the counselor says, you know, I'm like a league in bucket. You know, people will give me all these praises and it goes in the bucket and it just goes straight out and it's gone. And my confidence isn't, you know, it's not there all the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm still piecing that together. As I said, I'm like a jigsaw and I'm just putting them little bits back in, mm-hmm. you know, to get the full picture. I'd love to kind of know now, um, inside the prison, like... When you were in there and you were spending time in there, were you obviously doing a lot of weight training and were you just kind of focusing more on your mind, your body and your spirit and focusing on you as opposed to what's going <coughs> on outside because you didn't really have control over that. So when you were in there, like what was really going through your mind in that? Because another way you say you're a product of your own environment and I'm never, I'm not, I was never in prison, but I can clearly imagine in my head that it wouldn't be the best environment there is. No. So oh. how were you not a product within that environment? I, I suppose what I done was, as soon as that door shut, I had pictures of my kids with me, right, the first night, and it weakened me. I started crying. Okay. And I swore that night that was it. I was mm-hmm. going to forget about my family. I wasn't going to put a picture up. I was never going to do one drug in prison. I wouldn't even take a paracetamol. So I went into robot mode, and I started going to the gym twice, three times a day. Anytime the gym was open, I was down there. And I went to school and learned the guitar. So it just sort of, it's not hard to stand out in prison, you know. And if you do what you're told and you play the system, they move you on to better areas. So well, that's interesting. Yeah. That's what they do. Like, I went from being on a landing with a lot of messers, say. I started playing the guitar. I'd done my junior cert. And before I knew it, I was on a worker's landing. I got a job in the kitchen, which is, there's no messing there. You're safe, you know what I mean? You don't have to watch your back as such. And you're given a huge responsibility considering the amount of 
tools and weapons that could be created from a kitchen. So to be put in there, they, they trust you. Exactly, exactly. And then I went from there to the train unit, was in, which is a non-drug unit, the squash courts, gym all the time, you know, the doors left open, it's only banged out at night, about nine o'clock at night, it's opened all day. Whereas Gerard Prison, it's, you're like sheep, you're sheeped around all the day. Um, and then, yeah, you, you, that's what I call it. It's like you're like an animal, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you know, you're just a sheep. Like you know, doors open and they want to open. It's crazy. Doors bang out for two hours. Doors bang out for three hours. You're locked in at seven o'clock till seven the next day. Twelve hours. So you have to have a routine, you know, and you're on your own, like so. It can be a bit daunting, you know what I mean? And you can't get out, like that's it. You're in for twelve hours, and that's it. Um, but my my main aim, I wouldn't see me kids in prison because I didn't want them to see me up there. So my main aim was to get to an old prison. So I got to an open prison after about eight months down Shelton Abbey, and then the kids were able to come down there because it's like a picnic area and that, you know, it's a bit more, you know what I mean? I just didn't want my kids to see me in prison, like, uh, I was ashamed of it, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so my main aim was to go down to Shelton Abbey, so I just played the game. So you look, at it, it, prison's not easy, don't get me wrong, but you can make it easy, you know, as easy as you can, I suppose. Mm-hmm. The worst thing people do in prison is take drugs. Like, how, how would you take drugs in prison, like? It's bad enough as it is without adding mm-hmm. fuel Are they to everywhere? it. Everywhere, oh, everywhere, all out ahead and tablets. Like, and it'd be worse in there nearly sometimes than out in some streets. <coughs> oh yeah, because you're confined. That's crazy. You know, like you're confined to an area, like mm-hmm. so. You could have ten people on your land and out ahead drugs. You don't even know what they're doing. They come into your cell and they're like looking at you and you're like, what the fuck? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Asking you for stuff and and it's like you give them one thing and they're back every night and then you tell their friends and they're back, you know. So you think, I'll give them something because, try and be nice, because you don't want to piss on Here's the lend of this DVD or whatever it is. Yeah, here's a book or something, and they come back to them every night. Every, like, you know what I mean? Oh, like he's give, a good skin. Like, give monkeys fucking nuts, you know what I mean? Just keep oh, going yeah, back. He, I, I keep going back to him, <laughs> but I, I'm only kind of getting an insight into the prison, and I know it's it's so complex and there's so much more to it, but um, I'd love to kind of know, not to, to talk about it too much, but do you ever sometimes say to yourself, what if I stayed over in Scotland? What if I, and I, I think it's good that we talk about this, because <coughs> when you went away, you, I don't. I would imagine you weren't with your partner. No. And I would imagine, you know, uh, your only goal and focus was football. Yeah. So the fact you did come home and all these things happened, well, they happened, and now you've got five beautiful children. Yeah. And you've got a beautiful partner. So, I mean, probably all did happen the way it should have. And when we say jigsaw and you've missing pieces, but at the same time, the jigsaw came together oh, to yeah. be what it is. Um, and I know you're saying product of environment and stuff like that but also I think it's important to say that you can control what you do sometimes you can't control what other people do so your mother your father and various things going on there you couldn't really control that no but clearly what you've done now is well I can control how I am with my kids yeah you but you, you know you have to realise and there's one thing I'd like to say is that only you can change mm, mm-hmm. never depend on anyone else it's your life, you know, and it's your choice to live that life the way you want. You can live it in a negative and look back all the time, but you're not going to move forward. You have to move forward. You have to be willing to change. You have to be willing to put your hand up and go, but you know what? I'm, this, what I'm doing isn't right. How do I change it? Like, it's not rocket science, you know. If you want to be fixed, if you have issues, then you need to fix it. If you have resentment inside, you need to get out. And you will become a better person. And you'll grow as a person if you walk on yourself. But you have to be willing to walk on yourself. You have to want to change. 
Because as I said, it's not going to happen. No one's going to help you. They'll help you if you want to be helped. But no one... They're not going to come knocking on your door. Not really. You know, people will try and help and they'll try and plant seeds, but ultimately it's down to the individual. It'll always be down to the individual. There's too many people out there making excuses, you know, and sitting around with a bad life. And look at the hard and fair, fair enough, but if you want to move forward... You have to control now to change something. And, you know, you can spend time thinking about the past all the time or dwelling on it or you know feeling depressed about it but at the same time like counseling and reaching out to maybe a family member or somebody that's close by i mean most of the time people do actually want to help and listen you might yeah. think in your head oh, they, everyone's out to get me no one wants to listen but i do think actually from my own personal experience people actually really do want to see you do well and want to see you um progress Um, i'd love to kind of now you know we spoke about how we got to here today so now we're here today yeah. and, and let's talk about that a typical day in the life of Jerry Redmond is yeah. probably mad it's probably <laughs> you know with five kids and everything I can only imagine typical day would be get up about half hour mm-hmm. have a cup of coffee and a banana do a three and a half hour case swim uh, where do you swim in Westwood and Fairview so mm-hmm. it's a 50 meter pool indoor pool yeah so 50 meter pool is much better because you've got the the bigger pool you know <coughs> so I swim there and then <coughs> I'll probably do some strength and core a bit of stretching after in the gym before I go home I'll come home I'll kiss my kids before they go to school Brent. the wife will make me some porridge <laughs> normally <laughs> if I'm in the good books <laughs> <laughs> if not you'll probably another banana and another myself. cup of coffee <laughs> I'll make myself put in the microwave <laughs> um, and then I'll go for probably a two or three hour cycle come home have a lunch collect the kids from school and then I'll probably a 10k run no, that'd be a, a good day, you know. 10k run and then, uh, yeah, pretty much go to bed about 8 o'clock, half 8. Is, is that standard? That's the standard, yeah. Like you wouldn't go, like if you're, just for, on my own interest, we say you're at busy, like we say you've done this podcast here tonight and then you got dragged to this meeting or, or a conference. I know you're on the Clareborn show speaking on that. Something like that and then out of nowhere before, it's 10 o'clock and mm. you're only hitting the bed. Is getting up at four o'clock the next morning difficult? It is, but it still has to be done. Mm. Like I, 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 that's why I'm interested to yeah. know how early you go to bed. How crucial is that? It's crucial enough, but you know life gets in the way, and you can't mm-hmm. make excuses. True. I still need to get up, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And I don't make excuses. Like you know, if I have to do so much, if I have to do something, I'll do it. If I have to stay up till twelve o'clock, I'll do it. But I'll still get up at four o'clock. But do, but does ever does there be a moment where the alarm goes off? And you know, you know what? I won't swim today. I, I, look, I'll swim later on. Or you know what? I've swam three, four times this week. Does that like? I just want to know: Is there ever that <coughs> devil yeah. speaking to you in our in our mind, uh, having that row with yourself nearly all the time? There's two parts of the mind: negative and the positive, as we all know. And the negative will always tell you, "Stay in bed; it's warm." But yeah, then I go. Like I feel, to be honest with you, I feel like I'm on some sort of a train journey now, right? And I'm pushing and everyone's watching and I can't take my foot off the pedal. That's what I feel like. And it's a bit of pressure, to be honest with you. And now I'm a pro and are you going to fail or what's going to happen? So when I lie there in bed and go, oh, stay in bed, I'm like, no, I have to fucking get up. I have to get up. Right, so this, the best way of putting this, I'm so glad you answered th- that question that way. Right, so you put up today yeah, your time you were up at and, and you were out uh, cycling and swimming and doing your bit yeah. right? 
but you received like 48, 49 messages today, you told me. So if you lay in today and didn't get up at such a time and got up, I got up at eight today, I got up at half seven yeah. and get the kids ready for school, you wouldn't have got those messages and then 40, 50 people messaged you. But what about all the people that seen it and didn't message? All those people probably got massive, massive inspiration yeah. from that. So you, you kind of feel now you've almost this duty and responsibility to give it to the people. Exactly. That's amazing. Yeah. And they're your motivators. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. Exactly. That's it. <coughs> That's it. Because I do have a lot of following on Instagram. Yeah. So like, I, as I said, I feel I, I have followers now that are watching, you know, and I feel like I'm inspiring people and I want to continue to do that. But, but you get that. It is pressure, like, you know. Like, I feel the pressure, like, that if I take the foot off the pedal and if I stop... Um, what type of pressure is it, though? Is it a pressure where you feel uncomfortable or is it a pressure no, where no. you thrive? It's just, like, when am I ever going to stop this, you know? Good point, yeah. How far yeah, is that's this actually, going? Like? <laughs> that's a really good way of you putting it, actually. When does it end? Yeah, when does it end? Like the 75-year-old pro athlete. <laughs> <laughs> and, look, I've done, I've done 80K on Tuesday <clears throat> in the freezing cold. I've done 100K this morning at, at 4 o'clock. And I'm like, how long can I do that for? Like, you know, like, is this going to be every week for the, for the next four years? Because mm-hmm. like, it's tough going, mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. And even this morning, like, I put that video up this morning because, you know what? I was up in the head and I was 50K in and I was freezing. And, I, and the mind was saying, go home. Because every time I loop, I loop around the house. I live beside Hout and Baldoyle. So when I loop by the house, about K away, the mind starts going, go in. Fuck it, like, you're grand. Just go in. You've done enough, you know what I mean? You're cold. <laughs> it's warm in there. You know, you can have a coffee. And that's what happens. And I, I obviously didn't. And I got to the top of how to hit. You're, you're running around having a row with yourself. 100% all day long. Like mm-hmm. I'm arguing with myself and I'm, and I'm literally telling... For the better. For the better. I'm literally telling myself, fuck off. Like, you know, I'm fucking going to the top of how head. So I get to the top of how head and I have this in my head and I have to put something up here. I would have a bit of passion in me, you know? Because I'm sure people out there are feeling it, you know. They have these two demons in the head and, and, they, and they let the negative side in too much. You literally have to get personal with it. Like, I get personal with my negative mind. I literally get a fire in my belly from it. And it's good to have that fire because it can help you be a better athlete. It's good to have a posi- turn a negative into the positive. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the only voice that's with you on the bike or on the <coughs> run or in the water is the inner voice. It's you against you, like... The only person that's going to stop you from doing something is you. You just need to find your reason and your why as to why you want to push on. <coughs> I suppose for me, it's probably just to inspire people. I like to inspire myself first, but to inspire others. I think that's very important, you know. Mm-hmm. What can we expect to see in the future from, from Jerry Redmond? Um, if a top athlete. I want to be a top athlete. I really do. I'm striving to be a top athlete. I mean, people wondered why I became pro. I didn't become a pro to be a pro and, you know, to be, for people to go, oh, he's a pro athlete. I became a pro to show other people have me done. That was my ultimate goal. I'm gonna I am was here and now look yeah. what I've done. I've come from prison and my hashtag is prison to pro. So I've come from prison, I've told my whole life around and I've become a professional triathlete. Mm-hmm. And if I can do that, so can you. Mm-hmm. I'm no different than anyone out there. You know, and I've come from the bottom and worked me, myself all the way back up. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason I became pro. And now that I've proven that and given people self-belief that they can also, and, and they don't have to become pros. I'm not telling people you have to become a pro triathlete. 
but you can Just change get out, it. jump on the bike, get out, go for that run, Whatever. go for a swim. Or if you want a, a good job, you want to be a, a chippy, like, you know, anything. It's your life, it's your dream, it's your goal. Mm-hmm. You can achieve that if you want to, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. as can anyone. But you have to put the work in. Nothing comes easy in life. Mm-hmm. But I think, like, if you had have went uh, from a pro footballer to prison, to come back out of prison and go back into football and, and succeed in that, but then people probably would scratch their heads and say, well, I mean, he's clearly talented. Anyway. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm. So it's not like anyone can do it. No, hang on a second. Jerry was always good at football. No, you came out. You never swam in your life. And, yeah. you know, you, you mightn't have been the best cyclist out there or the best runner. But you beat a record over in Barcelona. Yeah. So what I'm saying is that was all new to you. Obviously, with a year's training and you worked really hard. But it's not like people could say oh well he was always handy at the yeah. football because that's not the case no. this was completely new to you exactly and that and that's a, a good point because i was thinking of that earlier it shows hard work pace mm, mm. and hard work beats talent mm-hmm. you know because i just put hard work into that mm-hmm. i just put a lot of hard work into it mm-hmm. and a lot of consistency a lot of consistency and hard work and obviously i wanted to prove my point i have changed I wanted to prove to others that you mm-hmm. can change. Well, those 48 messages I saw that just come in today, like that's only today. Yeah. If you break that down over a week, a month, a year, like you have a lot of messages coming into yeah. your, your Instagram. Um, but when you break that down, 99% of them, I can imagine, is well done, brilliant, yeah. or looking for advice. I mean, there's probably, a, there's probably very, very little negative coming in because no one can say anything negative about you because all you're doing is promoting a good, healthy, happy lifestyle that is shown anybody can be active. Yeah. Anyone. Exactly. No matter who you are, whether you're 25 stone or whether you're 50 stone, it doesn't matter what weight you are, what physical shape you're in, you can get from A to B oh, yeah. all the way to, oh, you, to You can go from nothing to, to, you know, you can go from all the way down here. I've been in the bottom of the barrel and I've crawled all the way back out. Mm-hmm. And if I'm, I'm a completely changed person, like, mm-hmm. anyone will tell you that, you know. Mm-hmm. So it can be done, and, and I suppose we message is never give up in life. Because there's a lot of people out there probably accepting where they are now, you know. Mm-hmm. Never, ever give up in life, like, you can always pull it back. But you were that close to in the cell? I was that close. Mm-hmm. And what if you, know you did, you know? And do you know what, even me, me and my wife, because her son Ross was born, right? It's a great name. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> like, he wasn't, we weren't, we didn't plan to have him. Mm-hmm. And when he came to us, we were like... It's a blessing. It's a blessing. In disguise. Because inevitably that's what changed. Mm-hmm. Because that's what went out in my head. I wanted to inspire my son. I wanted him to, to be my son's hero. And I wanted to change his generation. And I wasn't willing to put him down the road that I was put down. So in a, in a way, that he was a blessing, you know? Without even knowing it. Without even realising at the time. Now you see it. Now you see mm-hmm. it, yeah, exactly. I love that. Um, firstly, I just want to say thanks very much for coming on, Jerry. Thanks for sharing your story. I had listened to it. Um, you know in a couple of other interviews you've done and a great piece that the Irish uh, Independent was it yeah. they done on you they done a brilliant piece where actually in this clip I'll link it below for everyone to see in this clip um, you can see Jer going back into the prisons and you know it just doesn't suit you I don't think prison suits anyone really <laughs> but it, you just really didn't look right in there to think you were once there a couple of years ago was crazy even in the last five years really like yeah. you know um. But to see you now, this is where you belong, you know, this is where you should be. You should be out on, um, out swimming, cycling or running or just even just out doing your talks because you're, you're an absolutely brilliant speaker. Um, but for anybody that wants to stay up to date with, with Jer's, um, content, 
I mean, if you're not into seeing him getting up at three o'clock in the morning, <laughs> then don't follow him because uh, if he's going to depress you, don't do it. But if <laughs> anything, he'll inspire you. He's definitely inspired me. When I think I'm getting up at six earlier, well, tomorrow I'm going to get up at five. <laughs> but um, and I'll still be two hours behind <laughs> you here. But really nice to meet you. First time getting to know you, and I, I feel um, if anybody's going to take anything from this episode, it's really just that you really don't know your true self. I mean, we all don't know what we're capable of. I think we can, we think in our head we can do this, but really we're capable of much, much more. And I don't think um, we actually even know that ourselves. And the only way to find out is start pushing, testing, and you know, putting yourself through these situations, whether it's getting up earlier, whether it's you know, taking up a new sport, taking up a new hobby, starting that new course in college, doing whatever meeting a new person and going out for a coffee with them um, just doing things out of your comfort zone because when you find that exact same as you running by out and, and saying look I can run in now and easily just get cosy and yeah. get back into bed I mean anybody anybody can stay in bed anybody cannot go to work anybody cannot do whatever but not everybody can go out yeah. and you know have five kids and still on top of all this do what you're doing so i think you're an absolute inspiration to anybody my generation or even um somebody that that might be older than us both but um for anybody that's going to head over to jerry's instagram i'll link it below also uh, all of his social media platforms and um, it was a pleasure having him on i hope you all enjoyed as much as i did and uh, thanks very much everyone for watching jerry thank thanks you very much ross coffee and a little bit of conversation